It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday november 21st and you're releasing an episode 547 as always i am your host jason here today in a hotel room joined by jonathan chaffer hey hello so um this is weird because i'm not actually traveling you're in kalamazoo where i am that's right yeah <laughs> so, and and uh, in-person recordings are probably few and far between for right, you, too. Right, So you would message me and say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Uh, let's get together, play some games, and then record a podcast. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. So Yeah, I'm actually here for a, a game event. Uh, it's called Great Lakes Games, which is a, a small uh, invitation convention uh, just to get together and play games. So I look forward to it every year. A little, little cozy uh, get-together. So... It was a good opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and we're in a hotel that actually, I can see why they picked this. There's a lot of space and stuff, but no quiet space. Hence the fact that we're sitting in your room recording <laughs> this. Fans everywhere. That's right. Um, well, you can have a pool party tomorrow if you get tired of playing games. They have a real nice pool area there, so it should be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off by talking about... Um, we just replay tested Super Robo Country, uh, our uh, our Mario esque game, our uh, side scroller level is it side scroller is that the uh, word? Yeah, it's yeah, like platformer. Platformers, the side, yeah, side scrolling platformer. Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, we had so we last time we played tested that was uh, Grand Con. Last time we were together, yeah, yeah. yep, yeah. Last time we played tested it together, and um, yeah, it, I feel like we're like. Making some really good changes. Yeah, we had a um, a pretty pivotal test, I think, at Grand Con where we uh, like I think sitting down uh, were uh, Gray Dietrich and Lauren Wilsey and Nate Darty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I believe were the players and um, their feedback. This is one of those cases where I can't point to one person having an idea. It was just right. kind of the discussion led to some things, but. We had an issue, well, kind kind of a low key issue. We didn't really, I hadn't really identified it as mm -hmm. an issue. But in the first round of the game, when players don't have anything powerful to do, right, it was a little bit more luck of the draw whether you had a good first round, right, right, which then could of course snowball into determining. Whether or not you had a good second, third, yes. fourth, fifth, yeah. Later so. in the game, there was plenty of mitigation, and we had um, several abilities in the game that you only unlocked later in the game that let you do cool things with the card draft at the beginning. Uh huh. And people weren't going for those things, even right. though they they could see objectively that they probably were good. Right. They weren't appealing. Yeah, it's it's a thing that I've was thinking about recently. Um, actually, playing. Uh, I don't want to go all the way into that because that's the thing. But I've been thinking about that recently of like the goal of a game and like at what point in the game do you achieve that and is it then worth it? Um, so I want to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's like a whole little side jaunt about uh, about Marvel Snap. So, <laughs> so I don't want to jump into that. But uh, um, yeah, but our solution to that, to those twin issues was, was one one fix really that that seems to be working to address both things and it was to remove those um those abilities that you could gain you could choose to gain during the game and instead give every player each of them once mm -hmm. and you get one of them right at the beginning of the game you have to take one but you get to choose which one it is so it gives you some agency and also can get you out of that hole in the first round of having no good cards. Right. And I think one of the other, some again, somebody in the discussion pointed this out, and I don't remember who it was, uh, but it came up with the fact that most of the stuff, you you know, because the game is played, you've got cards, you make the platformer level, and then you, after that, you enter onto this map that's very like uh, the Mario, Super Mario 3, Super Mario World style map, where you run around on the map, spending your movement that you've earned, and then also spending all of the things you've earned over the course of the game, I mean, over the course of the round, on the map to unlock things and score points. And 
the whole handling of doing things with the cards and with the uh, drafting had nothing to do with, it was just those few things. And by pulling that out and putting it in front, it, it made a little more sense, you know, yeah, because it didn't, it, a thematic win. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, after playing it tonight, certainly a gameplay win, like it, yeah. um, it felt like every round I got to break the game in a different way. And only in one round did we choose the same thing, which mm-hmm. didn't matter, right? Like it never, um, it never affected anything that we did that that way. Um, but it was just, it was interesting. Yeah, and you said uh, break the game, which was what w- what we went with for the theme, because right, the things right. you get in the game now feel more like. Well, I think it was. I think it may have been Nate who drilled down to this. Is like. There were some powers that felt like your character's powers, and some car- powers that feel like your pl- the player's powers. Yes, exactly. Yes. So thematically, now those player those things that were the player powers are now you hacking the game with your game genie. Yep, yep. And that and that feels cool, right? Because it feels like they're outside of the game. It does. It feels like something the player can do compared to the uh, compared to the character. And that is a that's a really really good analogy for that. Yeah. Um, we, so, yeah. we determined some other things we want to change up with it too. Just some small changes of like, there are five basic power-ups you earn throughout the game. Uh, we're going to drop to four, um, and then, um, change a little bit the way that you get keys and movements. It's still primarily the same. We're just kind of reshuffling some balancing portions of it. Um, but the game, like it feels close. Like it feel it's mm-hmm. fun. It's quick. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping, um, I am going to PAX see what it looks like, um, and so I'm hoping to take that with me and, and show it off to some people and get some feedback from, from people who've never tried it before, and uh, yeah, so if you're there, uh, if you're going to be there, hit me up. I would love to play a few rounds of it with some people, so. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. So something I was going to bring up that I thought of, this is not our topic, but uh, I promise we're not going to talk about Marvel Snap the whole time. So on our Discord, we've been having some lively discussions about Marvel Snap, uh, which is a new card-based uh, game that you can get for phones, uh, and maybe you can play it on your computer too. I think I don't say they have a Windows version or a PC version, but it's not um, it's not as full as the mobile versions. Okay. Um, but have you have you tried it? I have no. Not. Okay. So. So, but, but what I was thinking about with this game that is it's unrelated to the game in general. It's more related to games in general. And in thinking about it with with our game, um, was the idea of like, at what point in the game do you unlock something, and is it worth unlocking it by that point in the game, right? Because there are so many things in games that if I can do that on turn one, it's awesome, right? And so the way that game works is is really simple. You have a bunch of cards. You have three locations. You're trying. Every card has a cost and a power. And most cards have some sort of small special ability all the way up to special abilities that feel really broken, but I would argue in the grand scheme of the game are actually pretty balanced. Um, But they feel powerful, which is cool. So you're playing these cards out over six rounds. First round you get one energy, and then it carries up one each time. The last round you get six energy. So, and there are cards that cost everywhere from zero, I think there's only one zero card, uh, all the way up to six. Um, and so you kind of build your deck, right, to manage that. But the cards are random that you get. So you can have the issues of not having enough energy with the right card, blah, blah, blah. But so when you're looking at cards, you're like, whoa, like this power is amazing. Like this is like, like it's like reduces the cost of by one of every other card that you have. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I realized the card costs five. I'm like, so I can play that in a normal game. I'm going to play that on turn five. Which means on the last turn, I would then have the choice to play one big guy, which is what you would normally do, right? Or a bunch of small people, which isn't necessarily a bad move, but like... so It's underwhelming after you have... When you realize the context, right? When you read the card in a vacuum, you're like, whoa. And then you think of the context of like, oh, this is how you have to use it. Oh, that's not not great. Like, why are people not using this? Oh, because it's not nearly as good as it seems to be when you look at it, right? Um, yeah, I have a bias in, in Euro games because of the kind of player I am. I will always gravitate toward things that give income. 
And so if, if there's ever an ability that lets me get something every round, mm -hmm. as opposed to get things once, I'm always going to go for that. And I have to fight against that because that is not always a winning strategy right, because right. of that exact thing you're talking about. A lot of these games, like um, the one of the Wingspan expansions gave you things that happened at the end of every round. And uh -huh. I was like, that's awesome. I can do it at the end of every round. Well, there are only four rounds. <laughs> so if I get so, it on round three, yeah. oh. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, it, it's, um, it's one of those things where I think our human nature gets in the way of rights it like are you are you building the thing for how the player feels or the reality of whether the player will have an advantage yep. it's i i used to love the game citadels and i've stopped playing it not because i don't love it but because i got tired of losing so poor so badly every single time and it's because i'm awful at the game and the reason i'm awful is because if you show me a card with a special ability i want that card but you will never win the game if you just keep buying cards with special abilities. You, you need, need cards, that, yeah. You need yeah. the colors. You need cards worth points. And I was like, more purple cards. Give me purple cards. Like, <laughs> look what I can do. Yeah. Yeah, but you're in last place. Like exactly. there are four of us, and you're in fourth, and it's not close. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, a cousin to the the thing in a lot of games where you you have to pivot from building an engine to getting points. Right. That's it's it's similar, but not quite the same as that idea. I think. Right. Right. In it too, like, um, you know, back to the one more comment about the Marvel Snap thing. Like, when you look at, like, the energy, right, of, like, I get six turns and I get this much to spend on every turn. Like, some of the, like, there's one card that allows you to always have it in your hand. It's Quicksilver. You always have him on your hand on the first turn because he costs one. So you can always play him. And I used to have him. So I was like, well, of course, like, I want to always have this. And then I would get beat by people who would play their first card on turn three. Like, because... Because they were playing better cards, they were playing less of them, but they were better, right? And so I slowly started to gravitate towards that. And like, but but like the designer in me is like, I'm wasting a turn. Like I'm literally staring at the board thinking, what am I going to do? And like I had this, like when I would play that card that's not good, right? And can be destroyed super easily. And even if it's not destroyed, it's not that helpful. In fact, most of the time I would play that card so that I would let Carnage eat that card to get better for himself later, but, like, it was the idea that, like, kind of you get that, like, proudness of, like, look at, I'm ahead of you now because I have this one crappy card down and you have nothing. <laughs> um, and so you kind of have to get past that, right? Um, but they, the, from a game design perspective, it doesn't, probably doesn't feel as bad because you made that choice. Right, right. Well, in, in some, they actually added that card with that ability because that game doesn't have a mulligan rule. So if you draw cards and you can't play them, you can't mulligan your hand and just grab new cards. Um, so that single card made people not complain about that. Because they could choose to always have a card to play. In fact, there's Domino uh, always shows up on turn two. So you can always have her on turn two if you want. And I used to play both because I liked that. And then after a while, I was like, no, I don't care anymore. Like, it doesn't matter as much. Um, but there are still people that swear by it. And they're not wrong either. Like, that's the thing. Like... So, um, so anyways, it just, it, it really had me thinking designer brain wise around the idea of like, what does it mean when you spend your turn and like, you know, what does it mean to get something sooner or later in a game as, you know, there's just a mm -hmm. lot of, um, yeah, there's just a lot, uh, to do with that, that, uh, that I love playing games like that because they think, you know, they make me think that way. And I'm a sucker for variable player powers. So, and that game is, that's literally what that game is. Like, everyone has a different ability, with the exception of a very few cards. And then their ability is that my stats are better because I have no ability, right? So, sure. yeah. So that's enough about that. But I, uh, I enjoy the way games like that make me think and reflect on design um, more than I expect them to, I feel like, when they do. I'm always like, oh, yeah. I'm surprised I'm having the thoughts like this about this, right? Like, <laughs> this was just supposed to be fun, but now I'm working on it. So, yeah. yeah. We, we do have a topic. We do we have, have a topic. It sounds so fancy. Yeah, so I just, um, when we were going to be together, and I, I, I said, well, I'll, I'll come up with something to talk about. And so then I just sent Jason the word isomorphism, just to see what, what happened. And... Um, 
And so I think I said sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, this has been something I've been uh, thinking about for for a while, um, and and kind of trying to think about examples of. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna define this thing in terms of games in a second. But basically, this word. So isomorphism is um, so the root words. You know, it's Greek. You know, it's basically equal shape. Right. I mean, it makes me think of like isomorphic, right? Yeah. Like when I think of like, like our uh, my game, um, perfectly parcelled, right? It's like the the tiles are isomorphic. Oh, tiles. Isom- isometric. Isometric. See? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, isometric so is the same. I have the totally wrong topic. So term. isometric yes. would, mean, would mean same length. Isomorphic is the same shape. So oh yeah. See? So in, see, I'm already lost. This is great. Y'all. All right. So it's gonna be good. Uh, the first off that. This is defined rigorously in math, and that's not how we're going to talk about it today, but basically the idea... Goodness, because it'll be you talking and yeah. looking confused. The idea in math is um, to... It's usually applied to uh, um, a field, I think is the right word. It's been a while since I've done these. It's a, a, set, of, a set of things and an operation on those things. So you think about, like, integers... And addition, mm-hmm. put that together, is isomorphic to even numbers and addition. Because if you map 1 to 2 and 2 to 4 and 3 to 6, they they behave exactly the same way. Okay. okay. 1 plus 1 equals 2, just like 2 plus 2 equals 4. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So those are those those two things, even though they look different, behave exactly the same right. way. That's math I can do. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and there's a lot of things you can do with like um, clock math modulo that, that things are isomorphic and stuff. So um, that's the basic idea. But informally, what we're talking about is two things that look different but functionally are identical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the concept. Right. So in games, so some examples that I came up with of this. Um, first one. Think about a deck of cards mm-hmm. versus a bag of chips. If the card, if, if every chip has printed on it exactly what is printed on one of the cards. Right, right. So the idea is drawing a card from the deck is the same as pulling a chip from a bag. Mm-hmm. Those feel very different, but right. they're identical. Right. And when you say they're identical, you mean that like... The, the way that it functions is identical, but... The, the, it feels different. It feels different, but they're obviously... Like, we're not talking about benefits and... and right. Because, which, like, we, which we need to get from to. As a yeah. designer, right? It's like, well, with the bag, I can throw stuff back in. Exactly. I don't have to shuffle, so, you know, like... So, so. yeah. So, there are going to be places where the model breaks down. But, right, right, right. Yeah. So, what, what I wanted to kind of talk about was these examples and thinking about them. Like, you can get... It, you can say, I'm making a deck building game. Mm-hmm. And you get that in your head. And you've built this thing that is a deck building game. It's worthwhile, I think, to think about what is that the same as? Is that the same as a bag building game? And if I were to change it to the other, would anything change me- mechanically? And if not, is there a good decision to be made as to which one to do? Which one right, doesn't? Right. Because you can, you can get... You can get tunnel vision mm-hmm, because of mm-hmm. a particular implementation of something. Right, right, And there's right. a different way to do it that's the same mechanically. Right. And um, it can be... So i got a bunch more examples, but like just to stick on that one for a second, if you just think about random things, uh, dice are very different than a deck of cards. We all kind of know that. But right. like one of the um, examples I remember from a really early episode of Ludology was talking about this like way back when it was Jeff and Ryan um, was talking about Settlers of Catan having this expansion that was the Deck of Dice. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. We, we actually used to use that expansion. Yeah, and like they, like there was people saying, well, it's the same thing. But it's not. It's not the same it's not thing. E- no. In fact, the reason we used it was because it wasn't the same thing. It would be the same thing if you shuffled before every single draw. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the way we would play it, because we were crazy, 
was we would one round everyone would roll and the next round everyone would drop from the deck <laughs> because we wanted the randomness of the dice but we also wanted the guarantee that at some point in the game the twos and twelves were going to show up right like you know um plus yeah. the cards actually it, it's also very different because the cards actually had bonuses on them like they actually had like a two was like you got double or something like it was it was those people were stupid <laughs> yeah so for I, various reasons so kind of what i want to talk about is um is ways to recognize when two things are the same or not the same yeah and how yeah. that's a skill we can use um so just a couple other easy examples um uh maps so games with maps uh-huh think about risk say Mm -hmm. So you got regions that have borders in between them. Mm -hmm. Then think about pandemic, where you got circles on the board with lines connecting. Right, them. right. Those are the same thing. Exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the yeah. same thing. They feel different. Right, right. Um, so if you've got a game with a map, think about how it would work with a graph. And if it's a graph, how would it work with a map? How would it feel? Right. What right. would it do to players? Because in Risk or a game like that, you see a big area and you're drawn to it because it's big. Mm -hmm. Even though that isn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have any bearing on the, um, the function of the space. But in Pandemic, right, right. you see a circle with six lines coming out of it versus three lines and you immediately know the, the gameplay yeah. impact of that. Yep, yep. That's interesting. It really... It, I mean, it's obviously that's more clear to most people, right? Like when you can look and say, okay, yeah, look at all those entrances and exits, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's just like a human brain thing where, you know, I mean, it's easier to interpret one way than the other. But you're losing the connection to the real world map that right. people know. Right, right. So right. is it worth it always? Right, that's a good point. Yeah, and I mean, there's the thematic choices of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like in Risk, the idea is your army is literally walking over to the next place. And if it's a line halfway across the world, it's not do the same, right? So, yeah. Better hope there's that land bridge across Kamchatka. <laughs> <clears throat> um, another one, um, Ink and Gold. Okay, so... Okay, I've, not, I've not played that one. Okay, so, so in Ink and Gold, the, the important part is that Every round, you make a choice of whether to stay in or leave. Mm -hmm. And it's based on... It's a new implementation of an older game called Diamant. Actually, I think maybe the newer printing is Diamant again. I'm not quite sure. Um, which, which was exactly the same game. But they, they implemented that choice in two different ways. In Ink and Gold, you've got two cards. Mm -hmm. One that shows your character going in one that shows your character leaving mm -hmm. and every round you pick one and then simultaneously reveal which one you picked mm -hmm. and in diamant the same thing is done with everyone having a meeple that you hide in your hand, hand. and reveal that you have right. a person there or not right right um so we can see obviously those mechanically are exactly the same right but uh they do feel different so, and if you extend that to multiple options, you can kind of see how, yeah, how the card become the card mechanism becomes better at larger scales. The meeple version is way better for the for the one of two choices. Right, right. <laughs> um. So, but then we can go to to a little bit more uh, less obvious ones. So I'm going to come up with an obscure game um, called Unreal Estate. Oh yeah. That is very obscure to most people. Yes. <laughs> so, in on real estate, yeah. What would you say the basic mechanism is? What? How would you categorize it? How you get stuff? Oh, it's drafting. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's like a table draft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What if I would tell you that it's not a table draft? It's worker placement. Yeah. What is the difference? Right. Right. So you've got a bunch of things in the middle of the table. You claim one of them. Mm-hmm. Now no one else can claim that thing. Right, They right. have to claim a different thing. Right, right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 
Single worker placement, right? Single work, yeah, yeah, worker yeah, placement. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the case of worker placement where you're only placing one worker. Right. You could have a table draft where you're picking more than one thing. That's true, too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so those are, I mean, that's going to be, that's an interesting one because there are things you can do with one that you can't do with the other. But right, for a lot right. of games, they're functionally identical. Right. Which is funny when you hear people be like, I hate drafting, but I love worker placement, right? Like... Because I'm sure there are people out there who feel that way about mm-hmm. things. Um, that's, yeah, that's... Well, I mean, I, I think you see that with trick-taking games, right? Like, there are so many games that are secret trick-taking games where people don't realize they're, <laughs> it's a trick-taking game. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like, I can't come up with examples off the top of my head, but, I mean, there are so many games that I've seen where you're, like, you're effectively you're doing trick-taking. Mm-hmm. It's just not obvious trick-taking, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so then right before we started recording, I had you play a little game with me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and I didn't, I didn't spoil why I was having you play this game. So we had cards from one to nine, mm-hmm. and uh, the rules were we take turns taking a card, and you win if you get exactly three cards that add up to 15. Right. And so did you have a strategy in mind when we were playing that game? To take three cards that added up to 15. <laughs> so you had a, so you had a no, goal I, in mind, but so, really no. So um, what I, that was my initial goal, and then very quickly it pivoted to stop you from taking cards that added up to 15. Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't feel like I was, qu- like I knew you were going to be faster at the math on that than I was. Okay. And it's, sure enough, I ended up grabbing the wrong thing, and yeah. then you won. And the secret here is I wasn't doing any math. Okay, so there is, there's a thing called a magic square. You ever okay. heard of a magic square before? So it's a, the, the simplest one is a three-by-three three grid um, where you put the numbers one through nine in this grid. So it's so that every basically. Row, yeah, every row... Column and diagonal adds up to the same number. That number happens to be 15. Okay. So, if you do 1 through 9. If you do 1 through yeah. 9. Yeah. Yes. So there's a particular arrangement of right, nine, right. Nine, 1 through 9. I see where you're going with this now. Yeah. It's so tic-tac-toe. It's tic-tac-toe. <laughs> we were just playing tic-tac-toe, but it didn't look like tic-tac-toe. And it, it's like... I would argue I'm much better at tic-tac-toe than I am at that. But not, once you know it's tic-tac-toe... So what you was your have, strategy then? I was just playing tic-tac-toe. <laughs> but like... <laughs> like, I was, I was thinking... I wasn't thinking you took an eight. I was thinking you took the top left corner. Oh, okay. So I should take the middle, which is five. Okay. <laughs> so I was just applying my tic-tac-toe knowledge... And I didn't have to do any adding and subtracting. Which is how you then you got it to the point where you like yeah where you get to the point where you have two moves to exactly win, right? which is which is easy to see in tic tac toe but it's hard to see in that game. That's that is tricky. Yeah, that's really <laughs> tricky. Yeah, I feel like you were playing tic tac toe. I was playing Jason tries to add things up quickly. <laughs> but inter- interestingly, you just said the first two steps a kid takes in learning tic tac toe. You said first I was trying to add up. To 15. Yeah. And then I was gonna trying, trying to stop, stop you. you. Yeah. Which are exactly the first two yeah. steps you it's learned true. as a kid when you're learning how to play tic-tac-toe. Absolutely true. But you yeah. had to do it again. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because for some reason, when I first looked at the cards, I was like, okay, I get to draft first. So I'll take this card. You'll take that card. I'll take this card. And then, and then I win because you won't be able to stop me. And I thought, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, like, and then after that, then I was like... Now I just need to focus on not letting you win and see if I accidentally get to 15 while I'm doing that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So that, that, I really loved that one because it looks so different, but mm-hmm. it is identical. Right. Um, so basically, tic-tac-toe is identical to a draft. Yeah. And worker placement. Draft tic-tac-toe is worker placement. It's, a, it's worker placement <laughs> with a little set collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, like, honestly, like, uh, uh, what was the game that, uh, the other Grand Gamers game, uh, Pocket Ops. Yeah. And essentially, that is worker placement tic-tac-toe. <laughs> I mean, right? Because you're literally yes. putting down, yeah. like, spies. That's right. So, with yeah. some, some extra stuff you can do to cheat, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and so then we get to, um, the thing, the examples that 
brought this up for me originally, which were things that came, I'm going to try to make this a little more practical. So some examples that came up in my game design group in Grubs. Um, the first one was my friend Ron, who was making, who, there's a portion of the game he was working on that he was inspired by the game Nidavellir, where, um, I feel like I've heard of that. It has a bunch of cards in different suits, and each one scores differently. Each okay. suit scores differently. You're just collecting a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And um, one of them is scored by the total face value of the cards mm -hmm. times how many cards you have in that suit. So getting a card of that suit with a zero is, is valuable. Right. Because, because it makes all the other ones worth more. Right, right. So that so the the values on that one are like zero one or two, whereas on and some of the other ones that are just adding up the numbers are like eights and tens. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So he liked that and wanted to put that in the game, and it was working fine. But it was weird in his game, which was not about collecting cards. It was about moving around in a map and stuff, where you would get these things that say zero, and and that what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, and what I was able to reframe for him and started, started thinking about this is that that system, there's nothing about that system that says it has to be a number and some symbols. It could be symbols and symbols in his case. So his, in his case, he was talking about this being culture points. Mm -hmm. And so it said, instead of having symbols times numbers, which is nowhere else in your game, what if you had music and you had literature as your two mm, kinds mm -hmm. of, of culture and you're multiplying the two of them? So something that was a culture zero is literature with no music symbols. One literature symbol and no music symbols. Okay. And if it was if it was culture two, it's one literature and two music symbols. Okay. And you just okay. add up that you just have the two symbols and you multiply them. Right. Which is exactly the same. But in that context, the reason it works in Nidavellir is you, the whole game is about collecting cards and all these suits. Right. So, you, yeah. Yeah. So, you have these numbers anyway. They just behave a little differently. But that doesn't, that's needlessly cumbersome for you to figure out in your head when you, mm -hmm. when you, the rest of the game isn't doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes with, yeah, the theme and trying to tie things back that yeah, make exactly. logical sense, right? Yeah. Um, and another one more recently uh, was um, a game where it was an asymmetric uh, two-player game mm -hmm. where one player, both players had uh, some tokens they could spend for special actions. And one player gets one at the end of every turn, and the other player... Um, would get one every other turn. Okay. Because he wanted there to be a rhythm of having a big turn and then a small turn. Like, oh, to okay. make them feel yeah. different. Yeah. Um, but that meant that there was extra, there were extra rules mm -hmm. and physical things that had to happen in the game to figure out whether I was on an even turn or an odd turn. Right, right. And... So an isomorphic uh, um, way of handling that is you get a token, both players get a token every time, mm -hmm. and the cost just is two for one of the players. Okay, okay. <laughs> so now you don't have to worry about that. Right, right. You are going to have a big turn every other time. Right. Because you have two of them now, where you had one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so so those are kind of some ways of not doing things that don't change anything about the game mechanically, but reframing them can can mm -hmm. be a, a useful thing to do. So so that was my list of examples. Um, uh, if you have any others that come to mind, that's great. But um, yeah, I just thought the other thing we could talk about would be in some of these cases, why pick one? Why, right. 
in what cases are cards the same as drawing from value? Like you, you alluded to this already, but we didn't really dive into it. Like, right, right, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're not putting things back into a bag, right, then it is this like you said before. It's the ex exact same as just drawing from a deck, mm -hmm. right? Um, but putting one card into a deck and shuffling it is the same as putting a cube into a bag, right? And not worrying about shuffling it. So I mean, I think that's where you get to the differences of that's easier to just throw a cube back in a bag, right? Because it's instant randomization. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like I was trying to think of some games where like I think a great example would be Quacks of Quidlinburg, right? Mm -hmm. Quacks of Quidlinburg, every round you put everything back in the bag, right? So you could have a deck of cards that you shuffle at the yes. beginning of every round. Hundred percent. It wouldn't. It wouldn't take much. But I'll tell you what, that game would be 10 times less fun uh -huh. immediately because pulling stuff out of a bag feels more like press your luck than flipping a card does for some reason. Yeah. Um, well, what, a card, what cards do is give you real estate to write things on. Right, right, right. And in many games, that would be an advantage, mm -hmm. I think. But imagine... So imagine if Quax was drawing cards from a deck. You'd really want those cards to say what they do. Right, right. Which means you couldn't have the variable set up either. Right, right. Well, you could. You just you could, but you wouldn't want to yeah, shuffle it, in a whole you'd have a lot cards. of cards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a really solid point. And um, yeah, I was. Uh, the uh, obviously like the some of the bonuses for that would be like let's sticking with quacks if i had a card that i flipped over uh then automatically i would know what that card did and when you have playing with new players the most consistent thing is like what does this color do again that's right true. yeah um so um so that's you know that can be a pain but the other thing is if you did have a card You'd still have to have a way to mark it on your tableau, right? Because the easiest way to do it on your on the way that the player tableaus are set up for the player boards are that, you know, if I draw a one, that I place it immediately next to the last mm -hmm. one. If I draw a four, I count four spaces and place it on the fourth space, right? Mm -hmm. And the um, that is so elegant the way it works because it's just... It's visual, you can, you know, it's easy to see. But if I flip a card over, now I'm either doing math, right, as I'm looking at it, because I have to say, okay, that's a one, now that's a four, what's my total number? Um, so, like, in that case, cards would be a horrible choice for that game. And I still argue it would make it less fun, because in that setting, pulling ingredients out of the bag, it feels different. I've also played games where I feel like I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I know that I played games where I was like, card is completely, like, like, like a, the bag, pulling from the bag feels stupid. Like, why am I pulling yeah. from the bag when I could just do something that was easier than that? Yeah, I, there's, <clears throat> a, there's a concrete example that I, I'm going to speak out of turn because I haven't played one, of the ha one half of this. But um, Dominion was re-implemented, and I'm going to apologize if I get this wrong, but I'm going to say it was by David Serling. I think it, this was a predecessor to Puzzle Strike um, as a bag builder, okay. from a deck builder. So a bunch of chips, poker chips, with a short version of what the Dominion cards did. Right, did. right. But it was it was Dominion. I think I think there was a prototype that just was Dominion okay. before it got changed to okay, okay, a different thing. Right, um, and. I'm saying that with with hazy memory because I haven't read about this in many years, um, but that my gut says that if I was playing base Dominion, mm -hmm. that I would like the chips a lot. Yeah, but especially if they were nice, right? Yeah, but if but think about how hard that would be to expand the way Dominion has been expanded with so many different right. cards. Like, right, right. That's a lot of text on a lot of those things mm -hmm. and yeah. and you just you just can't scale. Right, right. So there are some practical considerations like that too. Yeah, no, I mean that's where if you play the game 
you know, a hundred times, the symbol is enough for you, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you're going to be just looking back, what does this mean? What is this? Like that's, and that's, yeah, that's a huge pain. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I think that bag builders are cool. Like I love the idea of, of a bag building game. Um, I just think that I, there's a lot of stuff we have in games now, especially with the, the, the whole Kickstarter extravagance thing, right? Where there are things in games that are functionally exactly the same as something very simple, but done in a way that is to increase table presence, profitability, <laughs> sales, mm -hmm. right? I mean, those are really the things, right? Um, and, like, I'm not even going to list any examples. I mean, like, we've all seen them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a game that uses miniatures instead of, instead of like, tokens, right? Um, or a game, you know, I mean, there's a thousand of those. Yeah. And, and people would argue that there's reasons why. And, and I don't mm -hmm. think they're necessarily wrong, but I would argue that the number one reason is aesthetics, right? Like, yes. um, you know, Marvel United is a great example. Like, those big miniatures are fun. Completely unnecessary, and yeah. I would have bought the game without them. But gosh, I like him when I'm playing, <laughs> you know. And and you could argue that they make the game easier to play because they're easier to pick up and like, move around. But they're also fragile. Like, so I'm always nervous the kids are gonna break them or something. And I have to try and glue it back together. And like, so so there are drawbacks to that. Also, you know, I jack the price up mm -hmm. by uh, you know a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it can be. The isomorphism there can be, it's the same as doing something with a simpler component, or in some cases, it's the same as doing nothing at all. <laughs> a lot of these, right. like, you just have this thing that doesn't do... Um, one of my, like, I, I really like the game uh, Grim Forest. Um, it's really clever, simple mm -hmm. game. That, yeah. Um, with beautiful but completely unnecessary miniatures. Yep. First thing I thought when I played the game, I was like... Why do I have these? Like this is yeah. silly. I'm playing a card that says it's a giant, and I and that means I have to go back to the box, find the giant, put it on the board for right. one turn, and then take it off and put it back in the box, um, which would be the same as putting the card there. Right, right, and and the box is huge because right, of that. Right, right, <laughs> right, and the game costs way more because of that, and yeah. has never been reprinted. Um, I believe it's it's currently out of print, uh, and maybe they're going to reprint it. I don't know, but. Reprinting it is super expensive. Right. And what are you going to come back with like a, with like a not deluxe edition? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a the game, cheap edition, right? It's a game I would I love to pull out for more casual audience and stuff. It's, it's super approachable and everything, but I, even if it were available, I wouldn't have, it's, yeah. I'd have to hesitate saying you should buy this because 60 right. bucks is a lot for that way to game. I could hardly recommend it at 40 if it didn't have those things. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That's kind yeah. of a separate topic, um, I, I suppose. But I but it does fit in with you can do the same thing. Yeah, like you don't you don't have to sacrifice mechanisms. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think that you know um, that is something that I've struggled with sometimes in designs where I'm like, well, I can do this, but that means adding this many more cards, and I don't really like that. And like reminding yourself as a designer to think outside of the box and say. Is there another way I could do this mm -hmm. with, you know, like there was an issue I came to you with a while back. Um, it was you, Nate Darty, and Neil Roberts. I was basically on Discord. I said, is anybody free? Like I'm having trouble with this thing from the, the rules in this game or something. And like, and I was having trouble explaining how to divvy out how many cards to give people for opposite is opposite and how you're going to like, how many people do this. And, uh, and I was like, you had, you said, well, how many cards are you going to put there? I said, well, I want to make sure there's enough for everyone and, you know, to make it simpler. And you were like, well, just put enough in the box for the number of people you need to do the thing. And then you don't even have to explain it. You just say, give it to those people. They're the ones that do the thing. And I was like, oh yeah. So, um, you know, so yeah, thinking about that sort of thing and saying like, could I do this in a different way? Like, but the same, right? Because um, functionally, that's what it was, right? It was the mm -hmm. exact same thing. You were just like, if you do it this way, you'll get the same result, except for people won't be confused. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there are times in game design when we struggle with that and trying to like... I think you get this vision of what you want in a game and having to step back and say, okay, but is there a better way to do it that 
they will produce the exact same results, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, so many of us, we have the things we like about games, right? We have the things we like to add into games, the things we like to design with games. You know, if somebody's like, I really like bag building games, what you're saying is, I like deck building games, but I like to draw stuff out of bags. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, what you, maybe you're saying, I like the tactile yeah, nature of that. that is what I was going to, yeah, the tactile sensation is, is, is good. And you're not wrong. It is, you know? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess the, the summary is that I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I think it's a useful skill to hone. And I found it's very hard to do with my own designs. Of course it is. It's, of course it, it is. But sometimes it is just stares at me in the face with other people. So this is a, another reason to get things in front of other designers yep, yep. early and, and ask those questions. What is this the same as? Right, right. And I would love if people in the Discord, like, you know, shout out different mechanics you feel like fit this bill of this is the same thing, right? Yeah. These two things are the same. Uh, because, yeah, because I think the more that we highlight that, the easier it is for all of us to remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm now going to, like, whenever I'm thinking about drafting work replacement, I'm going to think, well, that's interchangeable in certain scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. So, so am I picking the right of the right one of those two right. for its right. unique characteristics? But if you want minis, you're probably going to go, to go with work replacement, right? <laughs> Oh, you can send your little goblin out there to get yes. the card. You gotta get him out of the box first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. No, this is this was a fun, interesting topic. Once I realized uh, that it was uh, not isometric instead of isomorphism. <laughs> so I literally all week I was like, "How are we gonna make a whole topic out of this?" Like, I don't like. I'm really interested to see how we're gonna. And then you had me play this like numbers game ahead of time, and I'm like, "This is really weird." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, on another podcast, the host might pretend they were like, oh, I knew what this was, but I did not. Uh, so that's all right. If there's one thing we know, we can we can talk for a half hour about any topic. Yes, it's true. Uh, do you have any games you want to chat about? Gosh, yeah, it's pitch time, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure that I have anything new that we haven't discussed. I could probably talk about something a little bit older. Yeah, that'd be fine. Um, yeah, because I'm uh, I'm in the development stages for a signed game that um, awesome. Uh, the the release schedule is very nebulous on this, but I have confidence that there would that eventually right. we'll see the light of day. So um, yeah, so I'll practice pitch. So the game is called the Artemis Enterprise. This is a game in the same setting. We're not going to say the publisher, but you might be able <laughs> to figure it out. super secret. <laughs> um, the same setting as, uh, oh. yes, the Artemis Project. Um, in this game, uh, you are uh, running a corporation on Europa, and the main problem with running a business on Europa is that it's an ice moon and no one wants to work on an ice moon. So you've right. got to n- motivate people to come work for you. So in this game, um, you have colonists of, uh, of different specialties that uh, you, you have on Earth that you need to take actions to bring them to your colony mm-hmm. and then train them and then send them out on missions. And the way that works is the missions, there's a card in the middle of the table that says if you, I'm just going to use, I'm going to strip away the theme now and just talk about mechanisms. So if you send one red worker, then you can get two blue workers from Earth. If you send one blue worker, then you can build a new building and get one point. And so there'll be a little, a little menu of your choices based on who, mm-hmm. you, who you're sending. And so the actions that you're taking are what are getting you more workers to do those things in the future and you're mm-hmm. sp- so you're spending resources and this is a simultaneous reveal so everyone can do the same thing but there's a little jackpot for each of the a- actions that grows when no one takes it or when Ooh. more than one person takes it and as soon as you take an action alone you get the jackpot so there's just a little bit of predicting what other people do, do, do right, but, it's a, right. but it's a purely 
positive interaction. You're mm-hmm. never going right. to... You're always going to get what you looked for, what you were trying to get. But you might, you might get, get extra yeah. if you can juke when everyone else goes uh-huh. the other direction. Nice. Yeah, so that's the idea. That's cool. That sounds really interesting. Um, have you considered that the reason that no one wants to go to Europa is because they saw 2001 <laughs> and they said, don't go to Europa? Um, just, just curious. Uh, yes. It, when, when someone does a job for you, that, that they've had enough, typically, and then they go back to Earth. So you typically, oh, you typically lose the workers once they've done a job, unless you have particular uh, facilities to entice them to stay. That's interesting. It's a revolving door. That's actually really cool. Like, I like that a lot. Um, especially because it's not like, you know, your workers are, like, dying, right? They're just, like, no. saying, like, I did my stint. I'm going back now. Thanks. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I hope that the uh, the nebulous schedule firms up and you yep, know what's going to happen. Plenty of development to do on a game like this. This is one of the bigger games that I've worked on. I attempt to work on right. tiny things, so... Mm-hmm. So dealing with uh, content is a challenge for me. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot. But hey, signed, that's good. So. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Awesome. Well, yeah, this was, a, this was a fun time. I learned a lot. I enjoyed talking about this. I've learned skills that I plan to try and apply, So, which Those is always... Skills you probably had, but right. you don't... Yeah. Did it didn't have, have the words for them. For yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think, like... When it's just like this feeling like, oh, I could do this. Like this feels the same. It's because it is the same, right? Or this doesn't feel the same, but it is the same. Mm-hmm. Like I think being able to put a, put a name to it and, and, and know more about it helps you look out for it more. Be aware of it, right? To say mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to ask myself this question, right? Yeah. And say, is there something else I can do? And if I don't feel like there is, to ask someone else and say, hey, look at this. Is there something else we could do here that's, that's not, you know, that might work better? So... So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation here. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can uh, come to buildinggamepodcast.com and find a link to our Discord there. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland, and Jonathan is at Uncle John Bob. And, of course, you can keep coming back every single week, and we hope you will. Because we're going to be here. Well, I will. Jonathan won't be here every week, but he'll probably be back uh, more than twice. So that's pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> so anyways, until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.